First off, these are both correct comments. Yes, I still very much have Vegas voice and drink more, do better is definitely <laughs> has helped me in the past. It definitely helped me with magic on day two as well. Uh, the drinking flipped the script there too. So yeah, it, um, I had two entries. Wait, I thought you meant it, it, it helped you deal with me. <laughs> Maybe it did. I don't know. <laughs> it's a little of both, right? <laughs> it's been another week in racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. He's Mike. He's Dr. Ting. It's the Magic Mike Show. we got a special episode for you. Mr. Samich. Huzzah! I can't believe <laughs> there it one, is. I wonder, voice, The well, voice isn't back. <laughs> wasn't sure if your voice was even there. Hey, we've got a special. We had plenty of requests for this, uh, for Mike Samich to come on and talk about his NHC experience. And not only that, but we've got someone who was there live and in person because I couldn't be there. Dr. Tang joining us. Dr. Tang, literally, you can see, is in his scrubs. So we're going <laughs> to we're gonna bring you in early and, and let you get your thoughts out because you're out there trying to cure cancer, too. <laughs> nice to be on. Nice to be on. This is your actually. This is your first time being on uh, on one of our streams before. This is uh, all right. Yeah, this is a good time a... to, to show up. So uh, you were there first of all, Doctor Tang, first time at NHC. Uh, what was the overall uh, atmosphere like when Mike Samich made that really awesome run that he's going to tell us about shortly? Uh, it's spectacular. I don't know what else to say. It was Zenyatta like spectacular. I mean, you know, as Mike will tell you, the first day we were all at our table, we we're all kind of you know, jockeying for, for position and and trying to get to that, you know, $100 mark that we all been trying to work for on that first day. And then some people were doing better than others. And then Mike will tell you what, how his first day went. And then that second day, it was that, that mandatory race um, that Mike will talk about race six at Gulfstream that basically started the rocket ship from there. I mean, we can talk about the, I mean, we, Basically, everybody at the table at that point in time had the 12. And if I had two entries at that point in time, I would have had the 2 and 12 also. But I only had one entry, and I like the 12 better than the 2, and Mike will talk about that. But that started all off, and then it was one after another. He was just picking them off 10 to 1, 11 to 1, and then, you know, the rest is history, basically. Yeah, that, when, that... when, you, when you start, go ahead, Mike. I was gonna say that race, that that sixth, that it was. What was it? It was the sixth of Gulfstream, yeah. Yes, that was the, the key race, and I was fortunate to have two entries because I liked the twelve as well. I mean, I had three hundred to win on the twelve at, at nineteen to one, mm-hmm. um, because at that point my tournament I thought was pretty much over still. So I was trying to find a way to have a little little fun with the cash on the side. Um, but I think it was five of our table mates had the 12 in that race um and then the hoffins i think had, had two entries and i think they used the six as well yeah. um so we were we were on three of the, the bigger bombs and i was just fortunate that a i had two entries because i would not have used the two if i had one entry and, and b that wolfie's Dynaghost was in that race uh wolfie's <laughs> Dynaghost has been a hero on this podcast for months now um more than once I, yeah <laughs> he was he was a horse that i called out um after a first start saying i wanted him on turf next time he ended up winning back on turf via dq next time and then won at eight to one on an off the turf race, I gave out on you better you bet. So this is a horse we've talked about, I don't know, five, six times um, on, on the podcast. And to be honest, the, the, the final decision making factor was 
it's Wolfie's dying ghost. <laughs> I'm taking this horse over the six. It was, it was the 18 to one as well. Uh, and Wolfie's came through for me with my boy Ray Lou up. So I, uh, I, Dr. Singh, I know we might only have you for a few minutes. So we're going to jump ahead to Saturday night. If you're, if you're uh, not familiar, what happened is Mike basically threw up a goose egg with both entries, more or less, on day one and had such an epic day two that not only did he win the most money of anybody, of anyone in the NEC tournament on day two, and we'll talk about the prizes that came with that, but it was enough to push him into day three. But just like two years ago, Mike, when I was there, you had to wait for Golden Gate to give you a winner. Uh, you didn't have to go so uh, price hunting like you did uh, a couple of years ago to make it work. But what strikes me as crazy is that you still have ice in your veins. And since I wasn't there, I really want to thank Dr. Tang for taking over uh, the duties here. If you watch, just watch right over here on the left-hand side. You're going to see Dr. Tane doing his best Magic 2020 NHC uh, impression here. Uh, but this is them calling it home. And, and look at Mike. Look at this. This is the guy oh, who's got everything yeah. on the line. You think he was just watching somebody else? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the crazy part is that they they were all just rooting for me. That uh, you know we we talked about that race quite a bit. That was the last at Golden Gate, my last optional play, um, and I needed a at least four bucks to win day two. And it, there was a possibility I wouldn't qualify for day three without anything either. Um, so I, I just need to try and pick a winner and I ended up on the four here and that's all of them screaming for this four to get home. <laughs> I love, uh, I love the reaction there from Ryan too, who just starts going crazy. <laughs> Nuts. Uh, Dr. Tang, yeah, uh, is this how you usually root? Cause I've been with you at Breeders' Cup before and I never saw this kind of an, uh, a reaction out of you. No. <laughs> I mean, this look, is you really got the hips excited. going, man. Yeah, this is usually as excited as I'll get at a race. Yeah, you were at BC Beast with me. I was pretty steady or whatnot. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a screamer. I'm, a, I'm usually a snapper or a leader. I mean, you're a doctor for Christ's sake. You've got yeah, pretty smooth so, hands too. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm usually pretty even. But when, ugh, I mean, the whole day, the culmination to this last race, it's like. This is what I mean. This is the whole reason why we do this. I mean, this is just like you know the adrenaline, the excitement, or whatnot, and knowing somebody that that has something on the line and, and you're rooting for them 100. percent This is this is why we do it. I mean, this is why we're into this sport, and this is why we do this. Basically, yeah. This is just a great example again of the camaraderie. I talk about it all the time of the tournament room where you, you you root for the people that you're with, even though you don't have the horse, even though it's not your money. You're rooting for everybody that you're hanging out with because. You get to know them very well, become friends with them. Like it, it becomes a, a four days a year. We get to see the same people rooting for the same things and, and trying to get horses home for each other. And, you know, as this day two ended, I mean, I, I saved quite a few bullets and we can go through kind of how I ended up playing it. But I had four bullets left in the last nine races. Um, I'm sorry, five bullet left, bullets left in the last nine races. And so I was having to select races where I would play. And at that point, I was at $100. So I, I was still needed another $50 to qualify for day three. Um, and once I hit a, I hit a 12 to one shot at Santa Anita six to get me up there. Um, what, once that happened, uh, all of a sudden everybody was essentially, okay, you need this much more to get to, to win day two. This is what's happening on the leaderboard. This is, so I had people, essentially everyone else who's still playing their own tickets, helping me navigate the way through the end of day two to try and get the win and get into day three. Perfect. Well, I think Dr. Tang, are you getting paged? I think we should probably let you go. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. I, interestingly enough, I don't know if they anticipated this, but my schedule has been blocked from 11 to 1 for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> so I just finished my my morning session. I have 1 o'clock session soon, so I'm just doing some 
I'm doing this at the same time with some housekeeping stuff, so don't worry about that. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fine. Well, we're going to walk through it the uh, the day. So, Mike, let's let's start back on Friday now. So uh, you go into the day, the weekend, you're feeling fresh, you're excited, you've got two entries. And it seemed like it was the reaction I saw generally is that it was an overall chalkier day, and I remember it being that way two years ago as well. So when you go through the day and you're you're not hitting on anything, how do you not get discouraged and get down on yourself and just keep chugging along? Walk us through that process. Well, this this, this was a little funny because uh, I was hitting things. I just was not doing it on the tournament. Um, <laughs> I won four pick and praise that day, and I was up about 3,500 betting wins, pick fours and pick fives, and swept the card of Gulfstream. But I did not use any of those horses in the tournament. So it was a little easier than, than a couple years ago when I had a rough first day when you're, you're hitting other things and you have uh, success from a cash perspective. It's It's a lot. Uh, it's a lot easier to be able to kind of keep your head up and, and say, okay, my handicapping's there. I'm just not able to convert on it. And Aqueduct was really the track that went crazy on Friday. Um, if you remember, I think they, they have a pick six carryover tomorrow at Aqueduct. They almost carried the pick five. And I played every single race that had a bomb. I just played the wrong bomb. And so it's one of those situations where you're like, well, I picked the right race. And, and my strategy was to play the same horse on both entries. Well, I kind of wish I had played different horses in those races on both entries because I, I might have been able to get one of those aqueduct horses home. But it, it was one of those situations where it felt like uh, I was seeing the ball well, but I just wasn't necessarily having the right horse or the odds of the horse didn't line up. I mean, all the, the winners that I was having at Gulfstream were five to two, three to one. And those aren't horses that you generally play in tournaments unless it's a specific situation that you're getting into playing them. Uh, so as far as, um, you get to the end of the day and, and from your table, I was checking the stats from at least everybody who I knew was at your table and you were at the bottom and it was, you know, I felt really bad for you because I knew you had a bad day, but then you're seeing everybody around you. So is that kind of go back to the camaraderie that, that not only are you rooting for them and you're happy, you're like, Hey, you know, Dr. Tang, his first time here, he's, you know, he was hovering around 300. So right in the middle, and that's pretty respectable for you, especially for your first time. So is that kind of what keeps your spirits up going into day two as well? Oh, I mean, we had an absolute. We, we went to dinner the night before, and that was a great time. And then we had we like had fun at the table all day. And so even when you're losing and, and you kind of I, – I, I feel like I can consistently get back to NHC. So I'm not as worried about that that year-over-year -year performance. I'm more worried about making sure I'm there every year and we have a good time. I get to see everybody. And so I'm excited to be able to, to hopefully be back there again next year um, and sit at that same table and, and have, have fun. And we had an absolute blast on Friday – we were joking, you know, the goal was to try and to get, get to $100 on Friday. Then the goal was trying to get to 80. Then it was 60. Then it was 40. Then it was 20. Um, and I joked, I was just trying to get to five bucks at one point. Um, and that's just kind of the, the atmosphere at our table. And it, it, that kind of keeps your spirits up and, and keeps you motivated and happy. And then um, <laughs> ironic thing happens on, on Saturday morning. I'm walking down from the hotel room to go to the table and I'm walking through the casino and I run into Ryan, who is ordering a Bloody Mary at the bar because <laughs> he also had a rough day on, on Friday. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'll have one, too. And that was just kind <laughs> of the, the spirit of it. It's, we just kind of like, all right, we're having a good time. We're enjoying this. And that's the key to this thing. And, and what happens happens. Hopefully we, we make a run. And I changed my strategy on day two to try and allow myself to get in the position to get hot. Um, and fortunately, that happened. Uh, but it was it's just, you know, the natural camaraderie keeps you going more than anything else. And, and it, like all those guys at that point couldn't make day three but they're all screaming their lungs out for me to make day three and that's the same way you feel when when it's the it's the reverse situation as well so you get into day two you're like uh, you said you kind of change your approach a little bit uh what you don't have to give away your full secrets and strategy because i know some things you want to keep a little too close to the vest but what sorts of things did you try and change and, and were you were you trying to spot pick your optional races more often did you feel like maybe you had more better optional races to pick from 
Uh, yeah, I mean, first off, these are both correct comments. Yes, I still very much have Vegas voice and drink more, do better is definitely <laughs> has helped me in the past. It definitely helped me with magic on day two as well. Uh, the drinking flipped the script there too. So yeah, it, um, I had two entries. Wait, I thought you meant it, it, it helped you deal with me. <laughs> Maybe it did. I don't know. <laughs> it's a little of both, right? <laughs> um, it, day two, I went into it and I, I no longer could play the same horse on both entries. And that was one of the major differences. I, I went in and said, okay, I've got, you know, I need to connect with a 20 to one shot here in my first five plays on either entry. And if I get one in the first five plays, I've got a legit shot at making day two. If not, then I need to keep fight, finding 20 to ones. And, and the real goal is to be able to try and revert back to playing a tournament versus playing bombs. Um, and fortunately enough, that, that second mandatory, I hadn't played many horses before then. Um, and I think one of the big differences in my game on, on Saturday versus other people's, I only played the mandatories and one other race at Gulfstream. Um, I think a lot of people played Gulfstream races, hoping for prices, and Gulfstream just chalked out, except for that mandatory race that that I got Wolfie Stein and Ghost in, and that made a huge difference because I wasn't using bullets at Gulfstream, and people were, um, and so I ended up with all these bullets left at Santa Anita and Golden Gate, and was able to convert those into winners late when when it made up the big difference to to get day two done. But yeah, I walked into day two with the idea, get a bomb home on one of the two entries, and then just focus on that one, trying to play correctly, and the other one, keep firing at those bombs and see if you can, you can get up that entry up too so you can end up having two shots at it so uh, you're you know semi-professional poker player in your younger days in las vegas so you're very good i always say you have ice in your veins because of that it's it's a big reason why you're so calm uh but whether it's that poker or it's craps or it's blackjack it's it's horse racing at some point when you're on a heater there's a moment where you realize it and you're like okay i don't want to get ahead of myself but it's, something's working here and i just got to keep this wor working so when was that in the day do you remember uh, <laughs> when the two horse won Sanitas first, I thought I had a legit shot. Um, it was the fifth mandatory. I still had eight optionals left or seven optionals left at that point. Um, so I had plenty of bullets and I was pretty high on Savvy Gal. And it was one of those horses we talked about at the table quite a bit. And, um, <laughs> Jessica Pfeiffer has been struggling a little bit as a rider. So Jessica <laughs> off here was one of the angles. Um, and it, it's just, it was a horse that Mullins claimed it's 33% off the claim. He's 24% turf sprinting. And somehow the horse floated up to 10, 11 to one. And that's the horse that I put on my, my entry that was doing well at the time. Um, and so all of a sudden my, my little $61 became a hundred bucks real fast. And I had 13 bullets left and a hundred dollars. And then it's like, okay, now, now I got a shot. Like I don't need to get all these 10 to one, 12 to one. home. I just need to string a couple winners together and I can make day three. Uh, from that point on, was there one race in particular? Because you, you talked about saving your bullets for when you could really fire them. Was there one race in particular that you were like, that one? I know that like, I'm going to hit this one, and that was one that had you more excited than the others? Not really. Um, I didn't love Santa Anita or Golden Gates card late. If I had drawn this up originally, I wouldn't have ended up with bullets there. I would have probably played them at Gulfstream based on the way that, that the kind of the day went out. But I didn't. I didn't like some of the blank shots at Gulfstream. I didn't want to play a five to one shot when I was chasing. And so the, the just the situational awareness I need to have in the tournament setting was I, I have to save these bullets for later because I don't know what I'll need. Because let's say I don't get that 12 to one in Santa Anita's first race. Uh, that changes what I need later in the card. And so having the optionals and being able to save those to later and know, okay, I need a 20 to one or I need a 10 to one or I need an eight to one or I need a three to one. Having that option of understanding what you need is a huge advantage in tournaments when everyone else is playing in the dark or playing without bullets. Um, and so that gave me a big time edge. Like I said, I ended up using five of my last uh, five of my last ten bullets in the last nine races. Um, and so that was that was able to to kind of help me get the job done there. And um, 
the other big one for me was San Anita race six, where I hit a 12 to one shot. And it was a first time starter two horse uh, that looked like a winner pretty much the whole race. It was nice. And that mm -hmm. that horse was able to get me up there. And I ended up uh, I was at 140 something at that point, right around 140. Um, and so that that's when it was real that I could get to day three. And all of a sudden, the day two leaderboard, I think I was in second after that point. Um, and then just need to kind of pick some winners to close the day out. So then you see here on the screen, he ends a day two score, $169.80 earned. And it, it was the most that anyone uh, earned in day two, whether you were at, uh, top of the leaderboard, bottom of the leaderboard. So not only did you get that, not like, hey, the notoriety that comes with that. I was the top earner for day two, and it was enough to push you to day three. I didn't realize you got a BCBC birth out of it, too. So um, that must have been a nice little cherry on top for you. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that was the what everyone was going so crazy about in the video was was really winning day two. I think we were all much more focused on that than we were necessarily getting into day three. Um, I, I'd never won a day before in a major tournament like this, so pretty darn cool to be able to do that and to walk in, uh, you know, the second day being in six hundred and forty fourth place out of six hundred and forty four people, and to walk out being first out of six hundred and forty four people at the end of that day is uh, pretty surreal, pretty cool feeling. Not gonna lie, especially when CBC qualifier there is. Yeah. <laughs> right. No kidding. Yeah, it's no one kidding. In, one in six hundred and forty-four. Um, and it's it's crazy too because you, you like it, it just to have it come down to one race and be able to then just you have to pick a winner and we're all sitting there going back and forth on, on who I should pick in that race because you know we're all talking about the races and you know thought about the three thought about the five um, and even when I picked the horse someone's like I don't like that horse at all <laughs> and uh, fortunately. Uh, the four was four was the right number there and it's it's like it's funny even after all of that talk and knowing that people thought i should have picked another horse to still have that reaction from everybody and uh it, yeah getting that bcbc seat out of the way is pretty nice too not gonna lie can, can we put you don't have to necessarily put people on blast because there, there were enough uh all smart handicappers including dr tane that were with you so they all probably thought they saw different things in horses was anybody on the four horse at golden gate or were you did you get everybody's opinion and you thought about it and went no i'm going with the four um, I, I think it was it was pretty split. I mean, there, there wasn't anyone that like we, we really loved a horse. I think we all agreed it was a tough race. Um, and everyone, you know, people. I think it was really the three, four, and the five were the horses that people were considering. Um, and so it was, it was one of those three. And the, the three was a bigger price, and I kind of liked that aspect of it because if I the three wins at eleven to one, I'd end up in eighth place uh, going into day three, which would have been pretty incredible. Um, but to me, I was just saying there, I wanted to pick a winner, and then I felt that the four was the right choice there. All right, so uh, you you have your celebration. Uh, you you go out, have a good night Saturday night. You come back Sunday, so now you're in the top sixty four. Uh, that's the, what qualifies to move on. Uh, top ten percent, right? Is that what moves on? Is okay. So it's yeah, six hundred forty four people. So or entries. So your top sixty four. Uh, did you have much of a strategy going into Sunday? Because now this is your second time going into a day three event. Well, I mean, this is and I like this is it's absolutely imperative to understand this if you play nhc you can't make up ground day three it is so hard to do it i mean it, like the doc can attest to this the races that you play saturday big fields stakes races pegasus day um you know it, santa anita had multiple stakes races turf sprints and then doc what was the card for this sunday morning like a laurel five thousand million it's ridiculous six horse fields six you know four shots everywhere it's hey. all the northeast. It's the northeast tracks where nobody's got turf racing. Yeah. It's all like the six horse dirt canceled. 
yeah. Aqueduct was yeah. canceled on Saturday yeah. and Sunday. So so it's Gulfstream one through six, Laurel one through six, Tampa one through six, Oakland one through four, Fairgrounds one and two, and you had to play ten of those races. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so uh, the you walk in and what my like I sat down and I mean it said you know got to stack five to ones on top of each other because it's really hard to find absolutely logical bombs that are going to come home in, in six horse fields, five horse fields. And I don't want to just stab at every 22 to one shot that's on the board because I don't think that's the best strategy either. I want to try and actually get her done by, by putting together a couple winners. So um, kind of walked in there and uh, I, I tried early to find a couple of five to ones. I had a place early, um, but I didn't have much else going. And then when it got down to having about five left, then it was okay. What are the five most likely races to produce an absolute price? Pick those five races and then, tried to find the right horse in them. Um, and fortunately, Oakland three uh, was one of the five I picked. It was the ninth of my 10 plays. Um, and I, I got to give credit to Equinedge for this one. They have a, an algorithm called the GSR, which is essentially how good a horse is at a specific thing. It's uh, so a specific distance or surface. And one of the things or one of the angles that I like to use is a GSR jump. So when you see a horse with a low GSR, um, come back and have a big time improvement, like 15, 20 points in GSR and a new surface switch. So in this case, the horse was going sprinting short on the dirt to going long on the dirt and was significantly better going long on the dirt. It's also a second time starter. And the two favorites in the race were combined 0 for 24. So you have two lifetime maidens in a 12 horse field. Like it just, it adds up to a place that you try and take a swing. Um, and it's one of those situations again, where Ryan next to me, I think doc, did you have the four in that race as well? I know uh, Ryan did. No, Ryan had the four. I, I, I was out of bullets in the consolation at this standpoint, <laughs> but I was like, I like the 10 or the 12 here. I would probably lean to the 10 and you're like, I like the 10 too. I'm like, take the 10 then. Yep. And it's, that's where we ended up. The horse went off at 33 to one and won like an eight to five shot. I'd say like, it was really wow. not much in doubt. Uh, Cause the four horse was in the lead at 15 to one and, and the four horse liked to quit every time yep. like to quit. And so turning for home, the two of them had like a six length lead on the rest of the field. Um, and the yep. 10 was, was starting to roll and the four was starting to stop. And it was, uh, it was a pretty good feeling. Yeah. So there were multiple was... instances I have to say during this the, the past two three days, even with the contest where I mean these guys are really good at handicapping. Where if you just take those two horses and put them in an exact and trifecta, have made tons of money. That exacta one dollar paid seven hundred seventy nine bucks. Mike's ten Whoa. and Ryan's four. Yeah. I'm I'm sad that I didn't take that. <laughs> <laughs> I learned uh, at two years ago at the NHC that I should just start doing two dollar like win place bets or whatever win place show bets for whatever Mike does, because when he yeah. got hot Saturday, it was the same thing. I looked back on it Saturday night and I looked how much money he made and I was like, shit, I should have been betting that. Why wasn't I betting just even $2 with it? So a uh, <laughs> strategy to remember uh, for next year, that was a cap horse, right? That was a, you had, you were limited with your payout. So explain what the cap horse situation was and how, again, it, it goes back to what you said. It's almost impossible to make up ground on day three. Yeah, so the, your win payout is capped at $42, so uh, essentially 20 to 1, and your place payout is capped at $22, 10 to 1 on your $2 bet. So you can only, your maximum payout in a single race is $64. So if you're fortunate enough to find a cap horse, you can get $64 to improve, but you don't get paid out that full 33 to 1. So in that case, you know, the horse paid $68 to win. If I gotten that full 68 plus the 30-something to place, I would have been in first place. But there are other cappers throughout the, the tournament that other people have hit, and the reason for that is because you don't want one person to hit a hundred dollar horse, like literally a, a, a 50 to one shot um, and win the tournament because of that. And I, I know there have been tournaments where 
before there was a thing called cappers um, that had been decided because of that. And that's the reason that the rule was implemented. So uh, it's a good rule. I, I would not ever change that one. I think that's a, a solid way to kind of mm-hmm. level the playing field from the people who take all a stab every race and the people who are trying to play five to ones, six to ones, eight to ones. And some people even try to run together a bunch of three to ones. And that actually leads in perfectly to Dennis's question here. By the way, JW, I saw your question. We'll get to that. I'm, I'm building towards it. Uh, uh, but Dennis says, uh, well, how much luck and skill is involved? And he, this is a, he's not meaning it disrespectfully. Really, you're a good person to take, give us an honest answer here, Mike. Um, I would say it is 75% skill, 25% luck. Um, and, and the reason is it, it takes a, it's a skill to pick the right race. And that's where a lot of the key is. It's a skill to understand what you need at the certain time and be able to make the correct decision based off of what those needs are um, and kind of understand how to play the tournament. And then the handicapping part is a skill as well. So, I mean, there to me, it's, it's, there's multiple skills that kind of factor into it. But part of it is luck. If a cap horse didn't win in one of those early mandatories, I'm not able to compete for day two because I have to do that. And the part of the skill is I know I have to do that. But part of the luck is the horse has to get there or else I, I can't uh, then make the run I could. And, you know, honestly, if that 12 had won, I'd probably feel a little differently because that 12 was a horse that I pegged the play since Thursday. I was playing on using it on both entries. I had $300 to win on it at 19 to 1. Like, I loved that 12 horse. We talked about that 12 horse at the table before the day started because yeah. all of us had pegged that 12 horse. So, you know, it, part of it is, again, I got lucky, though. I had two entries. Then I guess that's part of skills, getting the second one. But I had two entries, and I was able to put the other horse on there because if I had put – that even though I like the 12 more, if I had put the 12 on both entries, I'm limiting my own personal chances to have a, a higher probability of moving forward based on having one entry at 60 later in the day. And so that's part of just kind of understanding the tournament theory of it and understanding how to play in those positions to make sure you give yourself the best chance to win, even if that means you're not always putting the, your favorite horse on top. Doc, what do, you, so, what do you think about that? Oh, yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. I mean, it's... Yeah, obviously, in, in anything, horse racing or anything, sports or whatnot, you need a little bit of luck. But, I mean, I think it's 75%, 80% preparation, especially at the NHC. I mean, it, I, I mean, I think going – this was the most business-oriented thing I did at Vegas before. <laughs> <laughs> like, everything else was recreational. This was like, okay, we picked day one, finished, go back to your room and handicap for another three hours for day two. It was – you know, it was just, you know, bam, bam, bam. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely skill. Skill is, is definitely required. But, yeah, of course, you need some luck. I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, I had the same thing. I picked, I think my school. I did not pick one single winner at the NHC. Okay. But I had five place horses that were 18 to 23 to 1. And that's how I got my score up into the 60 or 70s. Now, if any of those two or three won, those would have capped. And I would have had a different, you know, contest experience basically 80 bucks more yeah all of a sudden you're in the money that's 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 how crazy it is and that's part of the luck of it right it's just you need the horse to win and sometimes you don't get the right trip sometimes you get stopped i mean the final table i had four horses that didn't break in seven races what can you do like i I can't control that you know so it's just tough so at what point did you realize that you were going to make it to the final table like when was the was that the horse the the cap horse was that the one that pushed you there Right around the eighth pole in that race. Because yep. <laughs> there weren't a lot of bullets left. I and mean, there were four races left at that point. Uh, one of them was Emmanuel, which no one was playing because he was one to nine and, and toyed with that field. Um, there was another really short price at Laurel. I want to say like one to five. Um, and then there was one 
Gulfstream race where I had one bullet left and I used it and I played mm -hmm. uh, a 12 to one Chad Brown horse with Ortiz up first time starter the three and the seven wired the field at four to five. And then there was one race at Oakland um, and the Oakland race was bettable and playable and, and some people did and, and a couple of people got knocked out of the final table when the nine to one shot won. But um, it, it would have taken four people, I think it was that all had to there were five people that could catch me with a nine to one shot. And only four of the five had bullets. Three of the four would have had to have that horse to be able to catch me. And so it was one of those situations where it's like, I was pretty confident once we got that Oakland horse home that, uh, that we were final table bound. So you're at the final table and, and talk a little bit about what that's like at, at NHC. I just described to Mrs. Magic. It's kind of like uh, almost like a wrestling ring in the center of the convention hall where you and all the, the nine other people and maybe some, <laughs> Some officials are up there, and that's it. And everybody in the room is staring at you guys. What is that experience like? It's a little awkward um, <laughs> because it's you know it, it's it's different than like at a sporting event, like where you know even like the final table of poker of the World Series of Poker, which is what I would kind of compare it to. Um, you have a bunch of your friends that come in for this thing, and it's in August after the tournament was in July, and so there's like a bunch of prep time with this. It's just, it's just the people in the room that you've been competing with, and I'm fortunate enough to have a, a, what I would say a good relationship with a lot of people in there that I've talked to over the, over the past couple of years, and so it's great in that aspect of it. But it's definitely a little bit awkward, you know. It's definitely a little bit weird, um, but it's uh, you know it's a blast, man. It's it's fun being able to be up there and watch the races, and uh, it, it's. It's an experience. Uh, <laughs> you got to put your bet in a little bit earlier than I'd like, especially when you're playing some tracks that the odds change uh, quite a bit late. Uh, when the, the final table, that obviously matters quite a bit. Um, it's tough that it's seven mandatory races because, as I mentioned, it was hard to make up ground in the morning. It's even harder when seven mandatory races, you're trying to make up $80 on leader um, because you're basically in a position where even if you pick the right shot, they could too. And it's not like you're choosing from 10 races here. It's, you're playing the exact same race. So the likelihood that you are the only person out of 10 with that one horse is low. Um, so you you really have to absolutely go crazy to be able to, to make up any ground. And I I, um, the, I made two mistakes in my mind on the weekend. One was switching out an eight for a six at Tampa. It cost me $18 place. The other one, and Dr. Tank can, can talk about this as well, uh, the third to last mandatory race, I was between the nine and the 10. The nine was 23 to one. The 10 was 25 to one. Um, I ended up using the 10 and I literally last second. I'm like, who, what do you guys think? Should I use the nine or the 10? Um, and it, I ended up using the 10 and uh, the nine won. Well, dead heated. Um, if the nine had won, it would have put me in second. I would have been about 10 bucks behind the leader. Uh, with the dead heat, it would have put me in third. So it was um, a little frustrating that I, I went with the 10 over the nine, but I did it because the 10 was a lone speed and that's generally how I handicap those mm -hmm. type of races. And so it's not like I was doing anything differently or felt like I made a bad choice. It's just one of those situations where you knew it was between two horses. And if you had chosen the other one, uh, this could be a lot more of a story because <laughs> then I could have picked a different horse in the second to last race. And I liked the winner in the second to last race at nine to two, but couldn't really play that horse. So um, it, it would have gotten real interesting real fast if, if I had used that nine instead of the 10. Uh, were you able to communicate regularly with your friends, uh, you know, Dr. Tang and everybody else at the table? Was that something you were able to do in between the races? Yeah, I mean, especially at the final table. Um, there was... That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, there was 30 minutes, 45 minutes between the races. So 
uh, we were running and getting drinks and we were talking about the races and the football games were on at that point. So we were enjoying watching the football games or not enjoying watching the football games, depending on, <laughs> on how that was going. Um, yeah. And, and we like, you know, we we're openly talking about the different races and everything. And one of those things where we, we talk, I, like, I respect everybody at that table. I'd love to hear their opinions. Doesn't mean I'm going to use them. Um, but I, I definitely appreciate hearing them. Uh, we do have one more guest that just joined us here for a little bit, so we'll bring him in here. Another member of the famous table, 145, Tyler Hoffman. Welcome. This is your first time on the Magic Mike show, too. we got two newbies here. First time I've ever been invited. Thanks for having me, Magic. What's up, Mike? <laughs> well, How's I didn't going, actually man? invite you. Dr. Tane did. I just said send this email to someone. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad wow. that, that through osmosis uh, you were brought on. So um, we're up to the final table discussion. And, and Tyler, just real quick, what were your overall feelings on how things were going with Mike uh, on day three and getting to the final table? Well, the the journey in the morning, I think, is is really, really challenging on Sunday because you end up with a lot of races that are include bad horses. And traditionally, it ends up very chalky. So you're trying to string together seven to twos, four to ones, five to ones. And then you're trying to figure out which race is going to have the bump because there's always a capper that wins. Uh, in that morning session. In this case, there was actually two of them. One of them was the first race at Laurel uh, on a horse that was almost unhandicappable to have. And then obviously the one that Mike hit. And so you're did just you trying to about, pass the right Did you hear about how the guy got, the winner of the tournament got to that horse? No. Don't tell me he punched the wrong number. The horse is called Let Me Talk. Whenever he and his wife get in an argument, that's what she yells at him. <laughs> so he had to use the horse. <laughs> I'm telling you, the NHC, it's, it's a great tournament. Don't get me wrong. It, it's a lot of fun. It's probably the most fun tournament that I think all of us participate in. But it is, you have to be incredibly lucky and skilled, and you have to press the right buttons at the right time, and weird stuff like that happens all the time. And, Mike, I think even for you, you'd admit, your first eight bets, if I'm not mistaken, you went 0 for 8 to start Sunday, correct? Oh, I had a place. I had a nice little $6 hey, place. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> you were blanking your way through the morning. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I specifically remember you turning to all of us and going, "Well, it's time to you know time to go hit a capper now. I only got two bullets left." Yep. And that's exactly how it ended up working out. And you found the capper at the right time. And again, had that race come up probably an hour earlier, you're probably not playing that horse. So timing had a lot to do with with the Absolutely. play and the situation that you found yourself in. Um, and so it was both a skillful play. It was a bit of a fortunate timing play. And uh, obviously, the table it was it was pretty joyous to watch because it was. Like you were back from the dead for about the third time in three days. <laughs> Lazarus rising. Uh, I'm sure that's not the first time that Mike's kind of seemed to awaken from the dead in Las Vegas either. Uh, Mike, going into the final table, More you're a realistic person. <laughs> you knew about the capping and everything. What was your realistic, like, you're like, what is my goal? Like, what, if I hit seventh, like, that's what I think is most attainable. What were you thinking? Uh, fourth was not that fourth was attainable um okay. it, i would think i was within 15 bucks of fourth something like that but then after that it was it was pretty stretched out i think uh the the final table it was like i think it was it was 80 out of first and 65 out of second something like that 60 out of third but the top the top you know from four to ten were re relatively well packed unfortunately fourth fifth and sixth all had the 92 winner in the first race and so right out of the gate it's like well now things changed a little bit um and that that kind of made me have to reach a little bit more than maybe I would have liked to um, right out of it. And, you know, but it, again, it's, it's one of those situations where you just do the best you can in those spots because you're trying to pick winners, but you're also trying to put yourself in a shot to win because I don't want to stand up there and play for fourth. Right. I mean, how many opportunities am I going to have in my life to be at the final table at NHC? How many opportunities do I have to win $750,000 betting on some horses running in circles? Like you got to take your shot when you have it. And so that was my, my more worry was how do I try and get on top than it was how do I get to fourth? 
And that same mentality, if I remember correctly, is exactly what last year's winner, who was the youngest winner in the history of NHC, had was like, how many times do I get a chance to take a shot at this kind of money? And so you take the shot. Sometimes it lands, sometimes it doesn't. You finish overall seventh. Um, and seventh in, at the NHC is still like, that's legendary. Like you can put that on your tombstone. So uh, no shame that six other people were ahead of you because you were really fantastic. What everybody's been asking about wanting to know, and I'm glad that we have all three of you here to really get your vibe. A big elephant in the room, quite literally. Uh, Jonathan Kinchin, the whole cheating uh, incident that happened. So, Mike, talk me through, first of all, real brief synopsis in case people aren't aware of what happened. And then what was the vibe like in the room? And when did you guys first kind of hear about this and realize something was off? Well, first off, I think cheating maybe is a little harsh. I, he definitely broke a rule, but I'm not sure that he, he, he was getting any strategic advantage in doing it. Um, the vibe in the room, I think someone mentioned it and I didn't give a damn because I was trying to get to the final table. So my answer to that may be different than other people's. Cause I like, they're like, Jonathan Kitchen got DQ'd. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, that's great. Um, so from that perspective, that, that was the vibe of it. I guess I found out more, uh, flying home on Sunday or Monday on what actually happened. Um, I look, I get, you want to be somewhere else. Um, I understand that just go be somewhere else like that that to me is the biggest part of it like it just seems really silly to think that you could fly across the country and no one would notice that you're in florida at a different horse racing event like i'm not sure how you're going to get away with it um which was kind of kind of crazy to me and obviously it was premeditated because he asked for a runner uh for COVID reasons so that he knew he was going to do this and try and do it so yeah i just i think it's kind of dumb because there's no way you're getting away with it and i you know if you want to be somewhere else be somewhere else i'd rather be at nhc than anywhere else that weekend and that would always be my answer so you muted yourself, Magic. <laughs> You'd think we wouldn't be doing this for the 345th time or anything. <laughs> He's still on mute. What did you guys think about it? <laughs> go, ahead. Go, go ahead, Doc. No, I, I mean, it was the same thing. as my, When I found out, I'm like, okay, he got DQ'd, so what? One less person to deal with. But then, you know, after looking at the whole situation, I mean, you know, I mean, he's a pretty well-known person, another well-known person. I mean, as NHC is very, I, as I said in, in a comment that I had on on another article, it's like it's really hard to get to the NHC um, to qualify, you know, to beat two whatever 200, 300 people in one tournament one day. Everything has to go right, so at least kind of respect the tournaments and, and whatnot. But I wasn't like he wasn't disrespecting me personally or anything like that by doing that. But I thought, you know, kind of disrespected the tournament and you know everybody's. He's like the best handicappers there and we had to work through it to just go to the, you know we had to do everything we could to get to this place and it took a year to do it basically so that's my two cents on that but he's still in a great handicapper but probably should have talked to them before he knew what he was doing i found the whole situation amusing more than anything else i mean another story in horse racing i mean it doesn't surprise me um i thought it was actually kind of creative <laughs> I, 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 I applaud the effort. The execution obviously failed, but uh, morally, I thought that was something that was funny. I, I don't think he, I don't think he was malicious. I don't the the pundits out there calling for his head and everything. That's ridiculous to me. It's it's not that big of an advantage. Number one, um, you could almost say it's a disadvantage at times to be there at the track because you you get too much information sometimes when you're there. Um, so I, I I I don't really have a problem with it at all. Um, he obviously deserved to be DQ'd and. He accepted it eventually and move on. I mean, this, this really, this is a, such a non-story to me. <laughs> the, 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 real, the real story is, 
is our boy Mike Zomich making it to the final table after starting with zero and uh, and, and the rest of the, the other nine that, that made the final table and, and the winner. I mean, that, that's what it's all about. And um, it was a fun weekend. And that, that, that this to me is, is, is done. It's over. <laughs> There's nothing about it that, that interests me anymore. They, by, that's my they, that's my entry two day score. That's not my entry one day score, by the way. The four forty. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was the eight ticket know. after after Friday. Uh, what's what's what was that? That was your eight ticket after Friday. Yeah, my eight ticket almost cracked five bucks. Pretty proud of that. Um, <laughs> I just want to give a shout out too to to Chris Inman who listens to the show. Met him at Saratoga. Met him in, in Florida. He was at zero dollars after day one. He got to four forty or one forty one after day two. And just missed cashing as well. So he, he was on a hell of a run on day two and, and just missed it. So um, it, it was definitely one of those where if you had Wolfie, so you could get into that point uh, and get, kind of make a run on day two. But yeah, it was uh, it was an epic day, man. It was absolutely crazy. And just uh, we had so much fun at that table. And, and over the three days, it was incredible. I don't, I don't think we can state enough how difficult it is, that run that you had, Mike. Because that is not something that is a common. That's probably not something you'll arguably ever replicate again. Because there were so many factors that had to go in for that scenario to even come about. You jokingly said, you know, I think through the third or fourth final table race, man, imagine if I had had 40 bucks on Friday. Yeah. I was thinking yeah. about a lot because it's, it's a thought I've had too in, in my entries over the years. And the thing is, if you had had 40 more dollars on Friday, you maybe don't play some of the horses you played on Saturday to get on a roll to get up there. Well, and so that totally changes the strategy of, of, of what you're doing. So it, it's fortuitous luck or un, you're, you know, lucky and unlucky at the same time to be in the position that you were in. Yet it allowed you to play freer, and then you got hot, and you were able to hit all of the significant cappers, more or less. I think canoodling might have been the only capper you really didn't have uh, on Saturday. And by that point, most people were out of optional bullets anyway. Had that canoodling race come up in the first half of, of day two, more people are on that, and that changes the whole cut line uh, you know, for day three. So again, it just depends on when the bombs hit, where you're at, and timing is so important in this tournament. As well, the, the Wolfie's Dynaghost traveling race, I mean, is the best example. If I was at 40 bucks on Friday, Wolfie's Dynaghost would have been my B entry, not my A. I would have had that 12 on my A entry. And so I would have gone from 40 to 55, and my B entry would have gone to zero from zero to 60. Like, so exactly. it, again, it's it's one of those, just like you said, those situations where you're, you're playing tournament strategy throughout the entire process and trying to make the best decisions based on where you are in the tournament and intertwine your handicapping with those positive decisions. And those decisions change based on how much money you have, which means the horses you play should change based on how much money you have. And so like zeroing out on Friday was probably a good thing. It's probably what allowed me to get uh, get to this point on, on Saturday. And we, and we so cannot underestimate. Oh, sorry, Patrick. I was going to say, Dynagos, the race that he ran against the profile on the synthetic <laughs> is the only horse between the last chance and the three days at you know Friday, Saturday, Sunday that ran that type of race on the front end against the track profile, the general track profile at Gulfstream. And that was a monstrous, monstrous race that he ran, which is the kind of performances you have to have in a tournament run like you had, Mike. And that's what's so cool about it, because you want to make it count when you are on horses that perform like that. It was it was nice to make that, like because we walked into it, and I think we all were, were had rougher with day ones, right? There were different variations of it, but I don't think any of us got to the goals that we wanted, and, and everyone was like, okay, we need to hit something early. And I was the one who was, if that 12 horse gets home, our whole table would have gone nuts. Because I think all of us had it at one place or another. Mm -hmm. um, it, but we all were looking for that one capper early to try and get us going and get the momentum going. And I was fortunate enough to get it and then be able to use the momentum. Uh, 
gentlemen, final thoughts on uh, on NHC. This has been a great discussion. Thanks everybody for submitting the questions. But just your overall thoughts on 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 this uh, this NHC twenty twenty two and Mike Samage as a whole. Doctor Tang, I'll start with you. Awesome experience, amazing table. Uh, I'll never forget this first NHC. Um, as I said, uh, I think. I mean, obviously, yeah, the tournament's amazing. It's tough work to get there and everything like that. Definitely, we'll try to qualify again. But um, I would. I mean, that table was amazing. I mean, even as I said, even if I had zero dollars throughout the whole thing, that everybody at that table had, you know, they're they're amazing handicappers, great people. Um, you know, we'll be friends for life type of thing, experience type of thing like that. It's amazing. Uh, it was reminding me a bit of the, the Breeders' Cup, uh, the BCBC room, and how the, pretty much immediately everybody from the Racing Dudes team was like, fuck, we're not sitting with everybody else. We're just going to go hang out in the BCBC room and hang out with Dr. Tang and the Hoffmans. And it's a lot of fun. So, uh, again, building on that camaraderie that Mike talked about, the type of the show. Uh, Tyler, your final thoughts, buddy. This tournament, once again, just reminded me of how much fun it is. It, it Obviously, everybody wants to do well. You want to make the cut line. Everyone has strategies and goals and uh, make it to the final table is, is definitely on my bucket list. Um, I'm jealous of Mike that he was able to get there because I, I feel that I was just as close to getting there too. And that Wolfie's Dino Ghost Race is a perfect example of, of how close it is. Um, but but it, it's really the environment that you're in. And when you're at a fun table like we were and you're you're laughing and you're drinking and, and you're swapping stories and you're joking around and no one's taking the beats you know too seriously at that point, they're, you know, you're, you're kind of taking everything that's right and you're, and you're rooting and supporting for each other. And, and that's what makes the experience so cool and so unique as opposed to other tournaments out there, um, including the BCBC, because everyone's so spread out around the racetrack. Um, and there's a lot more, you take money, individual money in a race at stake, just trying to figure out how much to bet on something or what bet to make. The NHC, it's not that hard. You're just picking one horse. <laughs> it's a simple, it's win place $2. You can't get more basic than that from a tournament standpoint um, on a format. So. It's just, it's a really, really fun. I look forward to it every single year. Um, I can't imagine not playing in it. I've been fortunate enough to qualify now, I think five years in a row. And between my dad and I, I think we've been in it 10 or 11 years, something like that. So uh, it'll be a lot of fun to be reunited with everybody. Hopefully everybody qualifies next year and one of us makes a run to the final table like Mike did. I know that uh, I uh, talking to Aaron Haltman and, and Jared Welch, the racing dudes, that every time the NHC season comes around, the three of us are always like, God, we got to get into tournaments like Mike. <laughs> and then it always kind of inevitably falls apart for whatever reason. But it's happening again. We're catching that tournament fever. And I can tell you that we're working on some stuff over racing dudes that if you're into tournaments, uh, stay tuned. We got some fun stuff in the works, but uh, that'll come down the pipeline. But before we get out of here, Mike, of course, you're the star of the show. This is all about you from zero to hero. Final thoughts, buddy. I mean, final thoughts, if you've never played a tournament, try and play a tournament. I mean, this is my third year playing NHC. My three experiences have been very different. I've had three very different tables. Um, this one was absolutely awesome, but it's a culmination of meeting people through horse racing that got to this point. And the reason I met those people was because I played tournaments, not because I went to the track. Because when you go to the track, you go with people you know. You sit with the people you know. When you go to a tournament, you go into this room blind, and you find a seat, and you start talking to people, and you'll find that all of these people love horse racing. They love betting on horses. They love handicapping. They love talking about handicapping and talking about horses. It is the only place in the world, really, where you are surrounded by people who just love horse racing and love betting on horses. And it's such a unique experience to be able to be in a room like that, spend time with people like that, and be able to find common ground with people like that. So I had three people who came up to me this weekend who said, hey, I played in this. I, this is my first time in HC, second time in HC. I started playing these tournaments because I heard you on Magic Mike show. Like, look. 
try the tournament scene if you haven't. It is a blast. It's so much fun that the people you meet, the relationships you make are 100% worth it. Oh, by the way, you can win 750 grand if you're fortunate enough to get to the final table and get the job done. Um, you get money to fly to these places. You can go have four nights in Vegas and just have a blast if you don't even want to worry about the tournament. It's just so worth it to try and qualify and get into these things. I hope the tournament scene keeps growing. Um, I hope people who haven't given it a shot, give it a shot. Because, I mean, to me, that's that's really what this is all about. I mean, you you sold me, and, and probably Dr. Tang, if you hadn't been there, would be sold on it as well. Uh, you sold me when you said all expenses paid trip weekend away without the kids. Like, uh, you hear that? Okay, I'm on board. What do I have to do? I will literally spend every day trying to win a tournament to get the AMC if that makes that happen. Uh, but thank you guys so much. Thank you, everybody who's been watching. Uh, thank you, everybody, for the support. Uh, it was really crazy seeing all of the messages and tweets uh, just that were publicly posted, uh, let alone the things that Mike got privately. So I'm not going to speak for Mike saying that the, the outpouring was incredible. Thank you, everybody, for that. Um, if you want to see what Mike can do this weekend, because he was so hot last weekend, especially the Stronic tracks, uh, breaking news for Mike. We're going to do the Stronic 5, Friday Stronic 5 card on the Magic Mike Show Thursday tomorrow. So However you're watching or listening to this, return Thursday at 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific. We're going to cover the Stronic 5. It's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, for Dr. Tang down here, Tyler Hoffman, Mike Samich, I'm Magic. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Until then, have a good week. The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. Death, taxes, and Magic Mike on Monday.